You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, The High Life. Enjoy. Worthy of all of our adoration and praise and exaltation. He's higher than any other name. But do you realize in the scriptures, God has a plan to lift you up? He has a high life for you that's only possible through relationship with Christ. And what I love about this is we don't have to create our own doctrines. We don't have to surmise as to what Jesus is all about. He tells us plainly. And far be it from us at Highway Church to try and modify his purpose. Because he has revealed it and proclaimed it clearly. Let's look at it in John chapter 10, verse 10. So at Highway Church, we encourage people to exalt the words of Jesus Christ the person and ministry of Jesus Christ, as revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, to exalt the person of Christ above everything they've ever heard, every religious tradition, every philosophy, every political party, every life experience, and to take him at his word. So here's Jesus, God in the flesh, in Hebrews 1.3, we looked at last week, the exact representation of God's nature. Here's the will of God in the flesh, and he's about to declare his purpose from his own mouth and his own heart as to why he came to earth. I'd say that's pretty important, wouldn't you? I'd say if the Christ is declaring his purpose from his own mouth, wow, we should grab a hold of this. Because a church committee didn't petition him to say this. The Father did. John chapter 10, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. I'm glad I didn't write the Bible. Aren't you? There'd be no salvation in it if man wrote it. Right? I'm glad that the Holy Spirit revealed the scriptures to man. We've got an infallible book in our hands by God's Spirit. Jesus talking. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy I have come, this is his declared purpose. Why have you come, Jesus? That they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The Amplified says, I came that they may have and enjoy life. There go those alarms in Religionville. You're not allowed to say enjoy in church, right? (laughs) Uh, uh, uh. I came that they may have and enjoy life. What a concept. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. The Phillips New Testament says it this way. I came to bring them life and far more life than before. The New Century Version says it this way, I came to give life, life in all its fullness. The Message Translation says it this way, I came to give more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Why does he talk like this? Doesn't he know that people mock this and religious people say this? This this shouldn't be our focus. The New Living Translation says, my purpose is to give them, uh uh-oh, a rich and satisfying life. There go those alarms again in Religionville. 
You're not supposed to say rich in church. I wonder if Jesus knew the scriptures. Actually, in his day, they were required as children to memorize the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Wow. I wonder if he knew Proverbs 10.22. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no sorrow to it. I wonder if he knew Proverbs 22.4. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Second Corinthians wasn't written yet in Jesus' day. It was in the heart of the Father. But I wonder if he knew the purpose that Paul, the Holy Spirit, revealed to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Did you pick up your can of dereligifier there? And coming in, we got them out at the info table. But you want to make sure you spray that before you come in. Because so, you, you can't have religious goggles on when you read the words of Christ. You'll miss it. He's life unstoppable, if you'll take him at his word. The Weiss New Testament says, I alone came in order that they might be possessing. It's a strong word. It means you've got it. Possessing life. And that they might be possessing it in super abundance. I love how Jesus speaks. He's superlative. He says things that are not possible apart from him. So God has a plan for you. And despite what you may have heard, it's always to take you higher. Always. And he won't change it for anybody, regardless of what you've done. Because he's purposed it before the foundation of the world. Let's look at a few scriptures on God's plan to bring you into the high life. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll start in verse 6. I love staying with Jesus. I love letting God be God in my life. Right? And that's what we do at Highway Church. We're going to let Jesus be Jesus. We're not going to try and pull him down to our reasoning and our life experience. We're going to take, we're going to take him at his word and change our life experience. Right? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Look at this. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty, you've got your dereligifier, right? Let's spray it first before we read a shh. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? What's it say? That he may. That he may exalt you. Wow. That's the heart of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. How do you humble yourself? Verse 7, casting all your anxiety, all your care upon him because he cares for you. We humble ourselves when we recognize he is God and we're not, right? I can't live life in my own strength. I don't have the answers. Regardless of how educated I think I am, I need the Holy Spirit to reveal to me his plan and purpose for my life. It is arrogance to live my life thinking I can do this, thinking that, that, that the wisdom of man is going to get me into my destiny, that there's a degree I can get that will enable me to fulfill my destiny. I need to take God at his word. We humble ourselves and we cast all of our cares upon him, 
all of our worries, and we take him, we trust him, we stand on him, we purpose to, to walk with him each and every day. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So God wants to exalt you. He wants you to humble yourself by casting all your anxiety upon him. When I worry about something, what I'm saying is God's promises for me aren't enough. Isn't that arrogant? I know we don't mean it that way, but if you really think about what we're doing, when we let fear and anxiety occupy our thought life, we're really saying, God, all these promises that are yes and amen in here really aren't enough, right? I, I, I need something else. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord, that's higher, verse 18 in the Amplified says it this way, we are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor. And from one degree of glory to another. <laughs> For this comes from who? Whose plan is this? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that God doesn't operate by a committee or by votes. I love that about him. I love that he's never had to learn anything. That he's never progressed. He's been perfect. He always is, always was, and ever shall be. So it's good to have a father who's never learned anything. It's good to get wisdom from the one who knows all and always has, right? So from one degree of glory to another, that's God's plan for you, ever increasing, taking you higher and higher and higher. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being frustrated with you and angry at the human race, and disturbed and perplexed, concerned that someone might someday take away his throne. Nope. But God, being rich in mercy. Oh, I need a God who has no hang-ups, <laughs> has no chips on his shoulder. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, not great anger, great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive Together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. Look at verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You can't get any higher than that. You can't. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus, that people like us would, would be raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly places. Only God, only the rich mercy and great love of God could take someone like us and make us new. So just a few scriptures. We could go on all day, but we'll, we've got, got some other things to look at. So here I am, you know, 19 years old, almost 20, reading this stuff, blowing my mind. Never heard anything like it before. And I, I, so I wanted to read the whole Bible, so I just started going through it, you know. And I found the Bible is chock full, overflowing with invitations from God to us to come up higher. Let's just look at a few of them in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy. Chapter 30, 
And we don't have the time to look at 28 and 29, but if you, if you read that, you'll see God outlines in detail the difference between living life in covenant with him and living life separated from covenant with him. And in chapter 30, verse 19, he says, I've set before you, I've just outlined in detail the difference between walking in relationship with me and living life on your own. I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse, so choose. No one can do this for us, right? We have to make this as a private decision in your own heart. So choose life in order that you may live. So he's, he's letting us know what he wants for us, right? So choose life in order that you may live. You and your descendants. How do we choose life? By loving the Lord God. Verse 20, by obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For this is your life. Loving God, taking him at his word, holding fast to him. This is where life is at. This is when life begins. This is the length of your days. Stop looking for life via Google and start taking God at his word. This is where life is. This is where the answers for your issues are found in his word. Let's look at another one, Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse 6. So he's got all these invitations. He wants us to live a different kind of life, a higher life. He wants us to live life in a different way, spending our time differently employing our gifts and our resources in a different way than the world does. We're not after the American dream. We're after the dream of the Father. We want God's dream fulfilled in the earth. We want to hasten the coming of Christ. It'll make you do crazy things like starting in a church uh, in, a, in a place of the nation that's considered the least Bible-minded, you know? <laughs> But God is good, and he has a plan, and he has a purpose. And we're going to follow that plan. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord, invitation, while he may be found. Right? Choose life, invitation. Seek the Lord, invitation, while he may be found. Call upon him, invitation. While he, when someone asks you to call them, why? They want to talk to you. Right? God wants to talk to you about his purpose and plan for your life. Verse 7. Okay, let the, first, let the wicked forsake his way. He's going to compare two different ways here. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. He's going to compare uh, those with his way in just a moment. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. He's not going to punish him. He's going to have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I've heard this taught before as if God is drawing this uncrossable line, saying, I'm way up here, my thoughts are not your thoughts, get used to it, you're way down there. But if you'll read this in the context, he's inviting us to begin living life by thinking his thoughts after him. He's saying, think like I think, live like I live, do what I do. It's an invitation to come up to a whole new way of living where his thoughts now become our thoughts. His ways now become our ways. 
See, where I grew up, I mean, we had a long list in our religious tradition of things we had to do. And the thinking was, if I get more of these things done, my percentage of getting to heaven will increase and my percentage of going to hell will decrease. So you're always kind of watching that meter. Where I'm about 56% today. Oh, I just blew it. Went down to 33. I'll go to, I'll go to, you know, I'll go to a few more services. I'll do some good deeds. I'll wash the dishes. Okay, we're back up to 47. No. See, that, that God doesn't think in that way. His mercy, mercy is rich, and he's provided a new life for us through Christ. So what would the results be if we began thinking his thoughts after him and living life in his way? He tells us in verse 12. For you shall go out with joy. Ah. So if joy is missing in my life, I know I'm not thinking his thoughts and doing things his way. You'll go out with joy and you'll be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. Great grandma Myrtle. Jennifer has a recipe from her great grandma for apple butter, and we made some this fall. Whew. Yeah, the myrtle tree, beautiful flowers, sweet aroma, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Invitation. Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 33, 3, another one. I remember reading this. It's funny when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, how you remember the first time you've read scriptures 26 years ago or however long it was. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me. Again, invitation. And I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things you don't know. So God's not holding back from us. He's inviting us to come close and to reveal to us great and mighty things. We don't. See why, why he wants us to discard of our thoughts? Because if you think you know it, if you think you've got the answer, you're going to go with what you know. But he's got a better way. He's got a better way. Hallelujah. Now, I realize that these invitations and this high life has been hidden behind the walls of man's religion for many years. But the good news is, is God smashed through that wall when he came into the earth and he sent us his own invitation in the flesh, Jesus Christ. So you've got Jesus Christ, the invitation of God, coming to earth and inviting us to come to him and live this new kind of life, this high life. Let's look at the words of Jesus now. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Highly encourage you. I said last week, I, I did something years ago, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, first five books of the New Testament. It's kind of like our Pentateuch, I guess. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, three times in 30 days, and I did that in the Amplified Translation. And I did it was so good, I, I, my, my understanding of Christ improved so much, I did it twice in a row for 60 days. Great exercise in the Amplified Translation. All right, Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is talking again, and man, when he talks, we're ready to change. We could have been holding on to a tradition for 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 175 years, but if Jesus speaks and our tradition doesn't line up with his revealed character, with his ministry as revealed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, we change it. We go with him. 
We're ever ready to be changed by him. We're ever ready to go to the next level. We're ever ready to discard of our thoughts and take his, right? We're, we're, we're consumed with him. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 in the message translation. If I am, I know I haven't been walking with him. Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. What do you mean recover my life? The high life that he came to give you. How about it? Are you getting away with him? We're getting ready to go to another location, which involves a lot of different decisions, a lot of change. Have you given your calendar to Jesus? What about your calendar? Do you have time on there for one-on-one for -on -one with him each day? What, what would happen if instead of trying to fit Jesus in to our calendar, if we built our calendar on him? What would happen if we got away with him each day? I'm just on no phone, no internet, just the Holy Spirit, you and the Bible, and you worshiped him, and you meditated on his promises, and you listened to his spirit. And you didn't hurry, not a five-minute thing. You blocked off enough time where you could relax in his presence. And you cultivated a habit of that. And from that one-on-one -on -one time, your priorities would grow. And your, the activity on your calendar would become Christ-led instead of society-led. Society tells you there's all kinds of things that your family or your marriage or, or you need to do as a citizen of your community. But what if we put all that away and said, Jesus, I want you, and I'm going to be alone with you. I'm going to passionately pursue you privately in my own life and get away with you, and I want you to build my calendar. For me, my wife, my children, my family, and we want our lives to, 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 to be um, led by your spirit. We want our calendar to be spirit-led, destiny-led, rather than society-led. I'm asking that of you. We really don't have time to play religious games. Our time on earth is a blink, a fraction of a blink. And there are people, millions of people right here who need to know him. But in order for those millions of people to know him, there's got to be people who know him, who are willing to give him the time that he wants in their private lives, and who are willing to let him organize our calendar instead of our own thoughts and society's dictates. You know, your family doesn't have to look like the other families on your street. It shouldn't. <laughs> We're different people, right? We're not trying to imitate those around us. What works for one family might not work, right? The gifts that are in one family may not be in another. So if I try and be like another family that has different gifts than we have and a different calling and a different purpose, I'm going to get messed up. I'm not going to fulfill my destiny. So when you get alone with him, this is the only way it can happen. 
You have got to make him the love of your life. If I never spent time with my wife and my children, right, then there's something wrong with my priorities. I'm not loving them enough. Because when you love someone, you spend time with them. Get away with me. Come to me. And you'll recover your life. Invitation. Are you ready for Matthew 10 now? You're not afraid to give me your calendar, are you? Do you think God knows what your children need to be doing? You think maybe he made them and has a plan and a purpose for their lives and he'll fulfill it? Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 10, oh, I love this. This is the Amplified, verse 38. It's Jesus talking again, right? Anytime Jesus talks, we got the change. We're in change mode. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me cleaves steadfastly to me. It's no joke, right? This is not a, a, a mamby-pamby halfway thing. This is I'm all in, Jesus. Conforming wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely to my example in living, and if need be in dying also is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his lower life will lose it, the higher life. And whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it, the higher life. I don't want to miss out on that. We're living the high life at Highway Church, right? We're living the high life. So here's a, a, a young man who comes to Jesus in the book of Mark. And he's someone that we would look, the world would look at and say, this young man is successful. The rich young ruler, right? He's prominent in society. He has wealth. He's doing well. But he comes to Jesus for some reason in Mark chapter 10. For time's sake, we'll just kind of uh, skim through it. But he says to Jesus, good teacher, he even kneels before him. He says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Which makes me think he really doesn't know who Jesus is, the way he talks to him. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good but one. That's God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the rich young ruler says to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Check, 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 check. I'm set. And Jesus looked at him. He loved him, right? Wasn't frustrated with him. Wasn't putting him down. And he says to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, and whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and come take up your cross, tuck up the cross, and follow me. What was his response? He was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now, can you imagine getting an invitation from the Messiah in the flesh to walk with him and that would make you sad? Why would an invitation from God bring sorrow? Because your concept of God is wrong. God always has the best in store for you. Wait till you see what Jesus says about this. You know, well, let's read it. Let's look at this. <laughs> Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And don't religify this. 
And the disciples were astounded at his words. So what did Jesus just say? How hard it is for those who have riches. And his disciples are astounded at this. Why were they astounded? They were doing well financially. (gasps) Alarms are off again in religionville. Because we've been trained that they were all poor, right? Just bubbling idiots. But we know that Matthew was a shrewd businessman, a tax collector, that, 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 that there were family businesses among the disciples, uh, fishermen who had multiple ships in their family business. If they were doing poor, if they were poor financially, this statement would not have bothered them. You read their reaction to it in the different accounts. They reacted when Jesus said this. The disciples were astonished because they were doing well financially. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, let me explain to you what I'm saying how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. The church I grew up in taught taught ministers they had to take a vow of poverty if they wanted to serve God. Isn't that interesting? When Christ came to crush poverty, they took a vow to the very thing he came to to remove from from people's lives. Those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say, we're going to jump to verse 28. Here's Peter. He says to him, See, we've left all and followed you. They left everything. They walked away from their businesses, their families, everything. Jesus answered and said, look at this. Assuredly, I say to you, you've got your goggles off, right? There's no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive what? A hundredfold. That's 100 times. When? When? In this time, in this life, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions, most of those persecutions will will be other believers criticizing you for being so blessed and believing God for his promises instead of the religious doctrines that are so frequently taught. And in the age to come, eternal life. So that rich young ruler, what would he have gotten according to Jesus if he would have left everything? According to Jesus, now not me. A hundred times as much. Would that have put a frown on his face or a smile? His concept of God was wrong. He thought that the life that God had for him was lower than the life that he had built. He thought that what he did was better than what God could do for him. I kind of think of it this way. There's two currents in the earth. There are two rivers. There's the world's way, which consists of their wisdom, their reasonings, their resources, and then there's God's way. But they're not rivers that are on an equal plane clashing against each other. There's the world's way, then there's God's way, God's river, which is up here flowing above the ways of man, the wisdom of man. And God is inviting us to get in, to take him at his word. In fact, in in Mark chapter 11, this will be uh, two more scriptures, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 I love how Jesus says this. And the message has it this way. Jesus was matter of fact, Mark eleven twenty two. 22. Another invitation, a big one. Are you ready? Embrace this God life. If that's not an invitation, I don't know what it is. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake, no shuffling or shilly-shallying, and it's as good as done. That's why I, the, the Messiah, 
God in the flesh. That's why I urge you to pray, or if you keep it in context of his teaching, he spoke to the fig tree, to speak to absolutely everything, ranging from small to large. Look at this. Include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything, which goes with Matthew 6.33 in the message. Steep your lives in God reality. God initiative. God provision. Jesus in his ministry drew a distinction between the life God has for us and the life of this world. If there's a God reality, there's a world reality. If there's a God initiative, there's a world initiative. If there's God provisions, there's world provisions. And Jesus is inviting us to, to come in, to come up, to take him at his word and to begin living this high life. So now we want to have some communion. All right? So you've already got your emblems. I'm excited. God just can't fail. And when he calls, we answer. Whatever that means. And you know, there are times I've shared before when you're traveling, if you want to go east, sometimes you have to go west because of the way the, the, the road is. If you're going north, sometimes you have to go south for a while. So God always plans to take us higher but that might mean going from leather recliners to wooden chairs next week. <laughs> and that's all right. Because we're, we're not here to sit in comfy chairs. We're here to see people experience Christ. For people to get, for families to be put back together, for broken people to be made whole. And whatever we have to do to see that, we're willing to do it. Whether it's, whether it's getting up earlier, whether it's sitting in wooden chairs, whether it's going to the flea market, and, and sharing the good news, we're ready. So as we receive this, this is simply a reminder, there's no religious tradition here. We've discarded all religious tradition at Highway Church, and that might sound crazy, but we simply take Jesus at his word. And this was never meant to be a, a, a religious tradition that we do to get us to heaven. In fact, uh, Eden, would you pull up Isaiah? Um, Let's take a look at this. Well, for, do 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four first. It's where Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Now, we understand the Old Testament, there are all kinds of shadows and types of Christ. One of my favorites is the Passover lamb, which they were having the Passover before he was betrayed. And if you know the Passover, this was the eve of their freedom. Can you imagine that being a slave and oppressed for hundreds of years, generation after generation? Many were sick, broken, they were poor, and they were on the eve of their freedom. And God gives them the instruction to take a lamb and to roast it. And it declares in Psalms that that next morning when they went out, there was not one feeble one among them. That's supernatural. Hundreds of years of slavery and pottery, poverty and not one feeble one among them. That's the healing power of God. When they ate the Passover lamb, something supernatural happened in their bodies. And they plundered the Egyptians by the Egyptians' own choice. They gave them their wealth as they left the nation. That's supernatural. And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember the Passover lamb that foreshadowed what I would do for you.
Isaiah 53, verse 4 in the Amplified says, Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, our weaknesses, our distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement, needful to obtain peace, shalom, and well-being for us, wholeness, was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And how tradition has robbed so many of the wholeness that Christ brings. So when you, we're just reminding ourselves, this is a little wafer of bread, little cup of juice that reminds us of the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. His body was broken, that your body would be whole. And his blood was shed, that your sins would be washed clean and wiped out forever. So Father, we come to you this morning and we remind ourselves of the priceless sacrifice of your one and only son. And we thank you, Father, that you crushed him so that we could be whole. We thank you that you put our sicknesses, our diseases upon him, that the punishment that was necessary for us to be whole was upon him and with the stripes that wounded him. We are made whole this morning. We eat this bread and we celebrate the wholeness that you have brought to us and we receive it in Jesus' name. And as you eat, I encourage you to eat just like they ate the Passover lamb and receive the wholeness that only God can bring. We thank you, Father, for your life flowing from your spirit into our mortal bodies, into every cell, every tissue, every organ, and every system. Thank you for healthy respiratory systems. Thank you for healthy digestive systems. Thank you, Lord, for healthy nervous systems. Thank you, Father, for healthy immune systems. Thank you for healthy skeletal system and bones and joints. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And Father, we drink this juice this morning and remind ourselves that the precious blood of Jesus has wiped out our sins forever, that we have become your very own. And we thank you, Father. And we drink this in celebration to you. You may drink. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.